Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 105 in Edmonton, hour number two. Oilers Now, Bob Stoffer with you. Oilers Now brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Trusted by 630 Chad. Visit their new e-commerce site and order supplies, printers, and more at digitex.ca. In this hour, we're going to go interactive. We're going to open up the phone lines on our River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. A reminder, River Cree has on Sunday, Steve Earle and the Dukes, the 30th anniversary of Copperhead Road. You can text us on our Westlock Ford text line at 630-630. If you're looking for a new vehicle, go see Paul Olson at Westlock Ford or check out the great selection today at westlockford.com worth the drive to get your new ride. We are on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter, at Oilers Now. Uh, I'm available at Bob underscore Stoffer. So yeah, we're going to go interactive here. We will tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village Restaurants, Edmonton owned and operated, three locations in Edmonton and now in Sherwood Park. Japanese Village, a perfect place to celebrate your special location. So let's open up the phone line, 780-496-0063. Yes, a pull Tyler Yamamoto, Ty Raddy, all making some noise. Those were some positives from last night. Very quiet game from Drake Kajula. I do not know the effect of the illness that uh, kept him off of uh, the opening couple days of scrimmaging down at Rogers Place. Uh, So I I don't know if that was a factor, but he was quiet uh, defensively. Thought that Benning and Russell looked okay, and they should. They're going to be in the Oilers' top six this year. Jakob Yarbuk uh, had some okay moments and then some tough moments. I'd like to get your thoughts. The game was on TV last night. We'll open up the phone lines. We're going to start with Warren on line number one. Warren, how are you? Hi. Uh, first time caller. Um, I'm just, I don't understand how contracts work when you get first get drafted. Okay. Uh, does, the, does the Oilers, do they pay your rent? Do they give you money? Do they pay your schooling? Do you get a car? Like, how does that work? That's kind of an open-ended question. Uh, so here's the deal. First of all, you got to get signed. So here's an illustration. Ryan McLeod is currently unsigned by the Edmonton Oilers, though he's performed very well early in training camp. Evan Bouchard, who is the first-round pick, uh, he is signed. Um uh, and, and so usually there's a signing bonus that goes with that, and it's de- it depends on where you were slotted in the draft. So if you wanted to get a sense of what you think a guy like Bouchard might make, uh, Warren as a 10th overall pick, you might look to an organization like Colorado who had two number 10 overall picks in the last four years in Miko Ranton and, and Tyson Jost. And that might give you a bit of a range in terms of what the performance bonuses might be on the base. The base is usually uh, 894000 to $925,000 if they make 
the team and play in the NHL. Now, in the first year, for players drafted out of Major Junior, they have to actually, the first two years, they have to be returned unless they're European. If they're European, uh, they have the option uh, potentially to be uh, slotted into the American Hockey League. So if they go back to Junior, they get their signing bonus money, but then they don't get their salary. If they end up, uh, let's see, a guy is European pick, like David Pasternak was with Boston. Yeah. In that scenario, Boston could send him to the minors, and he gets his minor league salary, which for an entry player, entry level player, is usually sixty-five to seventy thousand dollars a year. Okay. Oh, so you get you get a like. Yeah, a, yeah you don't bad. get your you don't get your NHL money on an entry level contract. Okay. In terms of schooling, uh, once you get that. Uh, signing bonus. At that you're, if you play major junior and you don't get an NHL contract, you have the option of your schooling being picked up if you elect to go to a Canadian uh, institute, even an American school for that matter. Uh, that's an option that can be picked up at that stage. But they, they would pay your rent and everything, right? No, 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 no. You're, you're responsible for paying your rent. Okay. They, they don't pay rent. In terms of cars... Uh, in theory, the player is supposed to pay for the vehicle. Uh, depending on the market, like a market like Edmonton, we have several dealerships in the city, most of whom are a Ford. Uh, there's a couple Volvos out there. Uh, a lot of the players would have uh, vehicle deals for personal appearances and that sort of thing. But that's I've, much- always, I've always wondered how they survive. I mean, when you first get like you know picked on first, second, third draft or whatever. How, how, well, don't how, worry. How the guys at the top end of the food chain are—they're <laughs> surviving, you know, quite well. Now, a guy that's a fifth or a sixth or a seventh round draft choice, it might take him four or five years to become a full-time NHL player. So, I mean, and the other thing is, you do get paid a—I'd almost use the term honorarium for your time when you're in junior hockey. Of course, when you're in American college, like if you're if, if you're Quinn Hughes. You, you're not signed, right, because you're an amateur if you're playing in American college. Yeah. Okay? And in that scenario, uh, you know, you'd get the scholarship to play at Michigan. And I'm – but they're not supposed – so your tuition and books are covered. But in terms of the actual living costs and that sort of thing, it's on, uh, you. It's on you and the family when it comes to the college end of things. And that said, oh. there, there are some – you know, I'd have to look at the, the the in terms of how liberal that actually works right now, currently in hockey. But I know, in, I mean, in football back in the '80s in the Southeastern Conference, you had uh, you had programs that were outright paying families to have their kids play at their schools, and that's part of the reason why. Sorry, that was the Southwestern Conference, uh, the Texas schools like SMU. They got the death penalty, and so they, you know it sank their program. So the the bottom line here is, yeah, uh, are there opportunities like? A player like Connor McDavid uh, would would already have sponsorship agreements in place with a company like Canadian Tire before he's ever drafted in the National Hockey League. No. Okay. Uh, and and maybe I think he's with I, I think he's with Scotiabank. I don't know which bank he's with. I know yeah, in the not, case they're not hurting. In the case of Nugent <laughs> Hopkins and Jordan Everly, they were with ATB. Right, so there, there's 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 lots of opportunities, but those generally go to the higher end players. So they're not hurting, to answer your question. Okay, the other thing is you get a, as per the CBA, the players, uh, obviously the hotels are picked up for, on the road, and the, the players get a per diem as well, a travel per diem that they get. Yeah. Okay? Okay, thank you. You bet. 780-496-0063. I did not think we were going to get that question to uh, open the uh, the show. 
What is uh, what is going on there? Does he not want to come on or what? Uh, you can text us at 630-630. Tweet us at Oilers now. Nobody's got any thoughts on yes to pull Yarby? Are the Oilers, uh, you know, are you comfortable if the Oilers slot him with Strom and Caber to start the year and see, you know, see if he can handle that and succeed there and then get moved up the lineup? Does that make sense to you? Or do you think he should just be thrown on the first unit power play right from the get-go? That's one of the uh, scenarios that we can discuss. Uh, Bob, uh, this one comes to us from Jay. He says, Caleb Jones can't skate at a level commensurate with the National Hockey League. Why take any longer of a look? Also, Benning looks weak, like he should be a seventh or eighth defenseman. That one comes to us from Jay. Jay, I, I saw a different look. I, I thought Matt Benning was pretty decent yesterday. Um, <laughs> Topher, who is a Calgary Flames fan, says, Bob, thoughts on pool party? By the way, can I just say I'm not the biggest pool party nickname guy? You know what I mean? Like guys that it, it's a, pee, a, a pet peeve of mine that, you know, I get it if you're in casual conversation with your buddies at the bar, but... Nobody's calling him pool party in the room. Uh, you can text us at 630-630. Let's go to Adam, who wants to talk about Yessa Pugliarvi. Hey, Bob. Hey, Adam, what's up? Hey, you know what? Uh, I think he needs to be top unit power play, and I don't know why... Uh, right from the st- right from the start, he needs to be top unit power play? Give him a shot and see what he can do. And same with uh, getting some time with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. Um, I don't know why... Uh, why uh, Raddy is getting the shot ahead of him. Because he outperformed him uh, late in the... Yessa Pugliarvi struggled in the final two months of the season. He had, in fairness to Yessa, he had a good window uh, in December. He had a good stretch in December, and if you look at the actual analytics, he was relatively productive when he played with Connor McDavid. I mean, he was... On his line the night they lit up, uh, you know, they lit up Columbus, and I think that he had, I don't know, two or three points in that game. So his points per 60 were were quite good when he was with McDavid, but he did stagnate down the stretch. He lost a little bit of momentum. But in in fairness, Bob, hasn't just about everyone who's played with Connor McDavid um, responded fairly well in the stats department? Done pretty well in the stats department? Yeah, like just about everybody that has been slotted in alongside McDavid done pretty well, and you take them off the line, and they kind of go back to where they were. I just think Pugliarvi, just his body type, big rangy forward like that, like that's the guy we need um, playing on that line, not another small guy like Ratty. Adam, I think in time, there's a distinct possibility he could end up being that guy. I just don't know if the time yet is now, and I think he's better suited to earn his way up to that spot than automatically being handed it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm right. So you're enti- one more quick one. One yep. more quick one for you, Bob. Uh, I was just curious because I heard you guys talking that you were delayed in Calgary coming back the other night. Why did the Oilers not just ride a bus down to Calgary and back? Just curious. Adam, are you serious? Well, I mean. By the time you jump in the airport and go, uh, you know what? In, uh, in the, uh, the for the rookie game, they did bust to Calgary. Okay, thanks, Adam. Uh, 780-496-0063. I don't know, maybe it's because you get home at 1130 on a normal flight back from Calgary instead of getting home at 2 o'clock when you get back on the bus. And I made that trip about, I don't know, 800 times between Golden Bears football and Golden Bears hockey back in the day. Let's go to Andy on line number three. Andy, you're in Oilers now. How you doing, Andy? Hey, 
I'm doing really good, Bob. Um, we were talking about this with my brother last night, and he asked me to ask you a specific question. He wants you to rank your four uh, top prospects, uh, number one to number four. Because uh, in his mind and my mind, we're both big Pooley RV supporters, and obviously he's got some rookiness to his game. But if you consider him the number one prospect, shouldn't he be on the top line, uh, kind of like what Winnipeg did with Liney, and shouldn't they go with him? No, when you mean, I mean, is he still is he still considered a prospect because he's no longer an NHL rookie? Like to me, a prospect is a guy that's an NHL. Are you asking me to rank? So give me the four player. Give me the players, and then I'll rank them. Okay. Well, I'm looking at Pulley Arby. Yep. The guy who took his job last year, Kajula. Okay. Uh, we're lo- okay. We're looking at Yamamoto. Yeah. And and we're looking at somebody who I thought did pretty good last year was Ryan Strom. I just don't know if they found the right role for him. No, I, okay, you, first of all, I toss Strom right out. He's playing center. He's not on the wing right now. Okay, then let's throw Jujar Kara in, in the mix because I, this is a guy as well that I think, and I know he's a centerman and he can play wing, but if you're talking top wingers on the club, like top offensive wingers, he's in the conversation too, I think. Well, Andy, we're all entitled to our opinion. I would suggest you, I see Kerr as a third liner. This is what I would say. Of the right wingers that played last night, uh, Ratty needs to capitalize on the window now. Okay? I do think that Paul Yarvey, uh, long-term, despite, he and Yamamoto are so completely different. I mean, Yam, Yamamoto can process the game. He's a smart, effective player. But I think Pogliardi, uh, there's no question Pogliardi has the highest ceiling because of the frame. And it's just going to be a matter of, you know, can he get coached up? And he ha- he has to be a part of that equation as well in terms of the long-term fit. One thing that concerns me about Yamamoto, how many people out there watched Nashville-Winnipeg last year in the playoffs? That was old school big boy hockey. Those teams are beating the snot out of one another. Okay. That concerns me a bit with Yamamoto in the playoffs. But he is greasy, and he gets the spots on the ice. In terms of Paul Yarby, what we saw last night, if that's a precursor of things to come, I think other fans should be excited. So I would say, of the, I, and, you know, is Ratty a prospect at this stage in his career? He's in his mid-20s, and he hasn't been full, fully employed in the NHL. Of the three guys that had strong performances last night, I think Ratty needed it the most. Uh, I think Yamamoto followed up a strong game in Calgary with another strong one in Vancouver. And frankly, I think Paul Yarby, it's not that he opened up some eyes, but I think he pleased some people out there because he looked pretty damn good. It's 120 in Edmonton, and this is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 123 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. This uh, text comes in. Bob, 75% of the callers are not that intelligent or trolls or both. I appreciate that it's a mandate of your show to provide people with the opportunity to talk, but leave these guys to other shows. Sign every listener with an IQ over 40. P.S. I still love your show, even though sometimes you suck. Well, thank you for that. Uh, this text comes in saying, Bob, uh, regarding the uh, fact that uh, Paul Yarvey with McDavid like Liney on the Winnipeg top line, a caller said this, but it's not true. Connor, uh, Kyle Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler had the toughest minutes on Winnipeg. Patrick Liney was on the uh, second line with the Jets. Um uh, 
with uh, Nikolai Ehlers and Brian Little. Then uh, Statsny uh, ended up going uh, in that spot uh, down uh, the stretch once he was acquired in that deal from St. Louis. Well, there you go. Uh, this text comes in saying, so Edmonton guy scores an average goal on a weak, fluttering shot, and because of that, Oilers fans should feel excited. Only in this market. This text comes in out of Castlegar, BC. Wow, this is a, actually this is a good text because I love this player that he's referencing. Bob, the Montreal Canadiens took a couple years before putting Guy Lafleur on the top line. The Oilers should be patient with Yessi. Uh, with Yessa, he should earn the upgrades. A hundred percent. People need to remember that. Guy Lafleur, who, by the way, was drafted as a twenty-year-old, not as an eighteen-year-old. Of course, he was making about $100,000 playing for the Quebec Ramparts in 1970-71. But, you know, that's how they roll in Quebec sometimes with the Ramparts. They always have. And some other teams in major junior hockey. Hey, he ain't cheating if he ain't trying. But Guy Lafleur, right out of Thurso, Quebec, war number four. With the Ramparts, because Jean Beliveau was his idol. Canadians got him through a series of brilliant machinations uh, from one Sam Pollock. Guy Lafleur didn't want to wear number four because Jean Beliveau was retiring after the Canadians upset Boston on route to winning the 1971 Stanley Cup. Lafleur comes in. First three seasons, 71, 72, 72, 73, 73, 74. Very pedestrian numbers. Canadians, by the way, won the Cup in 72, 73. Knocked off the Blackhawks. We all know the Flyers won in 73-74, and in 74-75, Guy Lafleur emerged as the top player in the game. I would already, I had this conversation actually last night with J.F. Uhl, whose father, Rajan Uhl, played with Guy Lafleur. And for about a six-year window, from 1974-75, maybe until about 79-80, when Gretzky uh, hunted down Lafleur and Marcel Dion for the scoring race, Guy Lafleur was the best player in the world. Three years. It took him three years, three pro years, to elevate, to become. Now, he was, a, in fairness to Lafleur, he was a somewhat productive player. Like, I mean, he had good numbers for a 20, 21, and 22-year-old player, but this guy was seen as being a generational player. And it was in the fourth year when he took the helmet off that his career took off. No, and I am not saying... Yes, Apolliarvi is going to be Guy Lafleur. I think the Oilers got it right here, playing with Strom and Kara. Ryan Strom gets to make Yes, Apolliarvi the focal point of the line, and Apolliarvi had a strong game last. That was a good game, and fans, you know, you know, the, the texts are belittled the comment that fans should be excited. They should be excited because that's the best he's looked in a while. He looked like a guy that could be a difference maker in that role last night. And I know it wasn't the the Canucks A team, but it was more of an A team than the Oilers had dressed last night. And he made some plays. And the goal wasn't the greatest goal. You're right, Texter. It wasn't. It was a bad goal by Honors Nielsen. But it was the other things that he did during the course of the game. And if you can't figure that out, well, maybe you didn't watch the game. I don't know. Off to a global news weather traffic update. We'll continue down this path. Because I said I would. 780 496 That's our River Cree Resort and Casino hotline. 
And you can text us at 630-630 after uh, Eileen and the news, weather, and traffic. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.